What's up, my loves? Listen, are you looking for a daily dose of spiritual inspiration to get you going in the morning? Guess what, honey? I got you. I'm so excited. So, so, so excited to share with you my latest creation, which is a five-minute daily meditation page-a-day calendar for 2022. This is going to be a year of growth, authenticity, and introspection. And you're going to be able to wake up every day and rely on this baby right here to give you a daily dose of spiritually sassy wisdom. And guess what? This gorgeous new baby that I just gave birth to is 100% recyclable and eco-friendly honey, okay? So get yours today and give it to your friends. Give it to, you know, to anyone who's on a spiritual path, a newbie or someone who is an advanced practitioner. The calendar has material and, and, and wisdom and for everyone on the path, doesn't matter where you're at on the journey, I've got you covered, honey. And guess what? As a Spiritually Sassy Show listener, I'm offering you an exclusive 10% off your purchase of the calendar. So go to workman.com uh, and use code MEDITATE, all caps. And I'm going to put this, uh, all of this information in the show notes, okay? But it's workman.com and code MEDITATE, all caps. And it's W-O-R-K. M-A-N.com and code MEDITATE, all caps, M-E-D-I-T-A-T-E. Okay, love you so much. Welcome back to a new episode of the Spiritually Sassy Show. Today's guest, ooh, honey, <laughs> She's someone that I adore. She called me a saucy saint. I'm like, honey, I got to use that quote. I got to put that on my website. <laughs> I was like living for it. Today's guest is someone that the New York Times called the queen of change. Today's guest is the legendary, the iconic Julia Cameron. She's credited to having started a movement in 1999, excuse me, 1992, oops, that has brought creativity into the mainstream conversation. She's the best-selling author of more than 40 books, fiction, nonfiction. She's also a poet, a songwriter, a filmmaker, and a playwright. Her book that a lot of people know about uh, that's how I also know of her, too, is The Artist's Way, which has been translated into 40 languages, honey, and sold over 5 million copies to date. I mean, casual, huh? <laughs> and she has a new book out. The book is called Seeking Wisdom. And it's as you're listening to this episode, it will be right out. Uh, it's called Seeking Wisdom, and the book is about prayer. She says, prayer is an indispensable part of a creative life, and I 100% agree. She said, 
I opened the book with my sobriety story because it was in seeking sobriety that I found prayer. I can agree to that too, honey. Uh, the book details three types of prayer. Prayers for petition, prayers for gratitude, and prayers of praise. I love this. And she really is um, a uh, someone who puts everything into practice. That's why The Artist's Way it has been, and it continues to be such a huge hit. And I can't wait to, to dive into this new book, Seeking Wisdom, because her approach to creativity is really practical. And then she goes on to say, uh, if you work on creativity, you awaken spiritually. And if you work on your spirituality, you awaken creatively. And again, I 100% agree, honey. Uh, seeking wisdom seeks to dismantle the fear that we have around prayer. That's so true. I feel like every time I bring up the word prayer, people are like, don't bring that up. I don't want to talk about that. Or people are like, how do we pray? So this book uh, sounds extremely amazing, delicious, powerful. And I think it's going to offer us really, really practical tools to awaken our creativity and therefore awaken spiritually. Uh, she also says that we can learn to speak to the divine in our own language. That's also uh, a part of what the book will support us to do. So you can get the book. The, the link is in the show notes. Uh, the book is called uh, uh, the, the book is by Julia Cameron. And it's called Seeking Wisdom. Enjoy this incredible episode. Peace. Well, well, well. Today we have the legendary dear friend Julia Cameron with us on the show. Hello, my love. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi. Hi, welcome. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we're wearing matching red glasses. People can't see them, but they can probably <laughs> hear them. That's right. So where are you exactly? Where in the world are you? I'm up a mountain from Santa Fe. Oh about God. four miles north of the plaza, up a big hill. Uh, and uh, we have deer and bear. Uh, and I'm told we have a mountain lion prowling around, but I haven't seen it yet, thank God. Oh, my goodness. Wow, but you've lived everywhere before before there, right? From what I know. I've lived in Chicago, Los mm -hmm. Angeles, New mm -hmm. York, mm -hmm. Taos, New Mexico, mm -hmm. uh, and now in Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. Would you tell people who are listening who like haven't moved out of where they grew up that like it's time to move, honey, go explore something else? I wouldn't dream of telling people it's time to move um, because when they move, uh, mm. we have to make an adjustment to getting to know everyone and being a newcomer. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've moved many times, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm very lucky that I have a spiritual community that I'm connected with so that when I move, I have ready-made friendships. Uh, but true. without them, it would be difficult. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I mean, I've also lived all over the place. And, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, the Dalai Lama said something in one of his talks. He said, life is like a book. If you don't travel, it's like you've only read the first page. 
And I know he was talking about this inner journey as well, and it was like a metaphor for this for this external journey uh, of moving and traveling, going different places. So I love that you've lived everywhere, and I love that you have that you have a spiritual community you can rely on. Same for me. I think moving to Los Angeles really gave me um, um it made it much more of I, I made a lot more of an emphasis on community and and spiritual community more than than um the work. I felt like everything in my life was just about work and less about community. And now I found this perfect balance where it's about community and it's about work, you know? That sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's let me ask you, be- before we go anywhere, I already went to a little rant there. Um, who are you right now? That's the first question I ask every guest before we start the show. Who am I right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I must. 73-year-old woman uh, who feels perky, uh, and I am a daily writer, uh, and I am a daily prayer person, uh, which I do by writing. Um, I write out my prayers. It takes about three pages and about an hour. Uh, and, uh, when I do that, I feel happy and grounded uh, and like, Hi, my name is Julia Cameron. <laughs> okay, that's beautiful. What is in your prayer? Well, I ask, first of all, for joy. Mm-hmm. I have a list of people that are my colleagues and my beloveds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I start out by saying, uh, could you please aid, help, mm-hmm. guide, comfort mm-hmm. the following people mm-hmm. uh, and please pay attention to my whole list and remember everybody that I might have forgotten <laughs> uh. so I'm sort of trusting that the higher power is alert uh, mm-hmm. and on the case mm-hmm. uh, and then when I pray mm-hmm. uh, I ask for guidance mm-hmm. please help me Mm-hmm. Please direct me. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, then I listen uh, and I write down what I hear. Uh, mm-hmm. And this habit of writing out a question, can I hear about X? And then writing out an answer, here's what I hear about X. Wow. Uh, is That's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds amazing. I don't think I've ever done it like that. I usually do it in meditation. I would like treat the mind to a to a question and kind of allow for an, an answer to arise um, or I do it in, in in prayer too. but I think that the writing takes it to a, a deeper um, a deeper level. Thank you for that, Julia. That's amazing. Well, I think that what happens when we write uh, is that it sinks into our consciousness, sort of sifts down through the layers in our psyche uh, and hits an internal spot where we sort of go, aha. Aha. Yeah. Aren't those the the most amazing moments where we're like, aha, here we go. (sighs) Exhale, long exhale. Okay. Today's been a busy day for me and just kind of going, going, going. I feel like talking to you right now is like that moment for me. Like, haha, that's what I've been waiting for all day is to just connect to this sage right here. 
hear her poems, hear her wisdom, hear her music. So thank God for you, Julia. Thank you so much. I'm already feeling like more relaxed just being in your in your virtual presence. Well, thank you. It's good to be in your virtual presence. Aww. I feel like it was a, a wonderful thing when I learned that your nickname is Saucy. Um, <laughs> because I, I felt like uh, one of the things that we don't talk about enough is the need to be lighthearted. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of times when people think about spirituality, mm -hmm. they they get very serious mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and very um, pained. Mm -hmm. And instead, it's time to get very lighthearted and mm -hmm. say, this is a joyous world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This world is fun. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to have a good time. Exactly. Maybe this is going to go right. Exactly. Oh my God. Why do you think that happens? Why do we get, I mean, I have my whole, I wrote the, the uh, Spiritually Sassy in the book. I wrote about my journey from, you know, what I call zombie Zen, which is, which is what I thought spirituality was kind of like orienting my life towards. It's like the more serious I was, the more I spoke like this, the more I walked like this, <laughs> the less I laughed, the less I was loud, the less I danced, the less I dressed in this way and that way, the more spiritual I was. I had equated this kind of zombie Zen personality to spiritual liberation until I was like, no, that's not that's not what I'm seeing. Any of my gurus, any of my teachers, any of these mystics, they're 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 showcasing a path to liberation that's paved with joy and lightheartedness and humor and playfulness. But, you know, I, I, I wanted to, to ask you this question. Why do you think that we get sort of hooked in this, in this idea that spirituality should be a certain way um, or we get overly identified um, with a certain stereotype? Well, I think we live in what I would call a Calvinist culture. Mm. Uh, we live in a culture that's very stern, uh, and our, our ancestors and our predecessors who came to this country were largely escaping from prison sentences. Uh, and so they were kind of dark, uh, and they were feeling like, oh, I'd better toe the line. So the pilgrims were not perky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I think we've inherited this, mm -hmm. uh, and I I think that we we still tend to think uh, that the higher power is an authoritarian figure, mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, our culture reinforces this, mm -hmm. and even our prayers uh, reinforce this when they say things like. Thy will be done. P.S. Not my will, thy will. As if God's will and our will were necessarily at two different points on the compass. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's uh, a habit of mind uh, that takes a considerable amount of shaking loose. Uh, and I think when I look at your beautiful blue fingernails, uh, and your tattoos, uh, and your red glasses, and your mustache, I think 
this is a man who has managed to shake his way loose. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. It's taken a lot of effort to be effortless. You know, I say this to people all the time. It's taken a lot of work to to decolonize my mind and to and to you know sort of um, get rid of of this like collective hallucination of what happiness means. You know, I think we have in our culture this idea that certain the happiness is for certain kinds of people and genuine joy uh, and connection to, to the divine is for certain kinds of people and those people can have it and these kinds of people can't have it. Um, so it's taken a long, long time and a lot of practice for me to really like delete that, that kind of belief system that I have. You know, I wanted to ask you about how did you find God? How did you find spirituality? How did you get to be this conduit that has helped so many millions of people at this point, you know? Like what was that that point that was just like boom? It was a was it through a, a mystical experience? Was it an, an apparition? Was it a you know, tell me about it. Tell us about it, please. Well, I think the answer is I got sober. Mm -hmm. And I I was 29 years old. Mm -hmm. I was an active alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I had been blackout drinking for a decade, mm. uh, and you would have thought that I would have thought, oh, this is dangerous. I should stop this. Mm -hmm. uh, but in instead, I kept trying to drink my way into oblivion. oblivion. Uh, and then what happened was one morning I woke up and I could not go on. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could not live the way I was living anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had been given the number of a sober alcoholic, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I called the number, and mm -hmm. I evidently said, my name is Julia, I'm an alcoholic and a screenwriter, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, trying to hold on to a little bit of prestige, yes. uh, uh. and uh, she said, I have a friend named Edie, and maybe I can send Edie over to talk to you. Do you think you can not drink until Edie gets there? And I said, yes, <laughs> very, very sort of uppity. Uh, and um, that was what launched me into sobriety, was waiting for Edie. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, what happened was that I came across a, a tribe of spiritual seekers. Mm -hmm. uh, who were all sober. Mm. Uh, they said to me, you must believe in something. Uh, and I s said, listen, I would 16 years of Catholic education. That's mm. the grease slide to atheism mm. or, or at least agnosticism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, so then uh, they said, well, there, there must be something that you believe in. Mm. I thought about it. And I said, well, actually, there's a line from the poet Dylan Thomas, mm. the force that through the green fuse drives the flower. That creative energy that pushes the flower through the stem and brings it into blossoming. Mm. Uh, and I said, I, I believe in that creative energy. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, then, ask it to keep you sober. <laughs> and I said, 
What if it doesn't want to? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. I was still believing in my authoritarian God, and I didn't want to attract attention to myself. Mm -hmm. I, so um, I decided I would cautiously try it. Mm -hmm. So at night I started saying, thank you for keeping me sober today. Yet, mm -hmm. uh, and in the morning, <laughs> I would say, "Please keep me sober today. Please give me a conscious contact, a sense of connection, a feeling of power, a feeling of grace, mm -hmm. a, a feeling of continuity, a feeling of passion." Mm -hmm. I wanted all those things, mm -hmm. and what I found out was I could get them. Wow. Mm. So does this answer your question of what yes, was Yes, totally, yeah. Point? But then what was that point of like getting the download to, I mean, the, I guess the connection to God was established there, the connection to, to the unseen world was established there. And then from that point, how did like this spirituality to kind of infuse your creativity and that became this kind of like expression and contribution into the world in such a, a huge way. Did you ever see yourself um, with this kind of impact? I didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. I thought when I, when, I wrote, when I wrote The Artist's Way, mm -hmm. I thought I was writing it for about 10 people who were my mm -hmm. close friends who were blocked. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, the book came out, and now it's sold five million. That's right. Uh, that's a lot of books and a lot of unblocking, mm -hmm. uh, and it all sp sprang out of my, I want to say, self-forgetting. Mm -hmm. Before before I got sober, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be brilliant. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be thought of as, oh, that's smarty. Mm -hmm. uh, once I got sober, I started trying to write from a spirit of service, uh, and that sort of cleared the deck for me uh, and gave me a path. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the path of trying to help others and be of service was what inspired the artist's way. Mm -hmm. It was just, uh, I came from a big family, you learned how to tie your shoe. You taught your sister how to tie her shoe. Mm -hmm. So with the artist's way, I learned how to be unblocked myself. Mm -hmm. And then I taught it to others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So for everyone listening, something I speak to all the time, it's like when we are seeking out success and fame and power, um, that kind of orientation would just keep you uh, in like this kind of dense state of being and kind of hoping for um, for for an outcome that matches that. Um, but if you want an outcome that is beyond anything that you could ever imagine, attach service to it. Attach like an altruistic motivation. A attach a selfless intention to the offering of your gifts and just watch 
um, how how life, how the unseen world, how karma supports your your offering in a way that's way bigger than your limited perspective of I want money, I want power, I want fame, and then you you ended up bringing something of such tremendous value. You know, now think about we we share a book with you know one book we buy. I think it's it's shown that we all. Uh, gift a book to like at least a few a few people. So let's say up to three people. So the artist way five million copies. We're looking at maybe fifteen million people plus who have been transformed by the work. You know, um, that's so incredible, honey. So incredible. Well, so let's read a poem. Yes, please. Uh, I I was doing uh, guided writing about what would I talk to Saw about. Okay. And they said, Saw needs song and poetry. Uh, and I thought, that feels like we'll have a happy time. <laughs> That's so, exactly what I need. Thank you for the medicine already in advance. So I, I want to sing a, uh, I, w- I was going to say I want to sing a poem. Please. A way to put it. <laughs> uh. This poem is called Come to Me. Okay. Come to me. There is no darkness in which I cannot see you. Mm. Come to me. My green heart holds your ancestors. Mm. They are waiting to hear your dreams. Mm-hmm. Speak to them. They know your name. Do not imagine you are alone. Do not imagine they have left you. They are listening, waiting for your voice. Come home. All of us are waiting. Every bird remembers you. The lion in his pride still knows your name. The gazelle, the snake, the silver heron lifting at the shore. All these and more. Mm -hmm. Your family. Come back to me. You do not need to grind your bones to dust, rusting your heart. You are known to us. Only come home. Mm. So this line here, you do not need to grind your bones to dust, rusting your heart. Mm -hmm. That's the central message of the poem. Uh, And I think... uh, I think I'd like to read you one more, if that's all right. Yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. This one uh, needs a little bit of introduction. Okay. I I think that a lot of us think spirituality has to do with suffering and sacrifice. Mm. Creativity, we believe, comes from pain. Something's painful and it moves us to the page. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true enough. But I think it's also true that if something is joyous, it moves us to the page. Mm. So I was falling in love. And this is the poem that I wrote. Mm. Called Jerusalem is Walking in This World. This is a great happiness. The air is silk. 
There is milk in the looks that come from strangers. I could not be happier if I were bread and you could eat me. Mm-hmm. Joy is dangerous. It fills me with secrets. Yes, kisses in my veins. The pains I take to hide myself are sheer as glass. Surely this will pass. The wind, like kisses. The music in the soup. The group of trees laughing as I say their name. It is all Hosanna. Mm -hmm. It is all prayer. Jerusalem is walking in this world. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem is walking in this world. Mm. Wow. So tell me, give us a little bit of, of like Jerusalem is walking this world. Is that is that sort of like heaven on earth? Is that like a celestial realm now here for us? And it's just a matter of us having the capacity and the ability to see? It's what we say in Buddhism. It's like enlightenment is on the eye of the beholder. Is that, was that, that's my interpretation. Well, that's a correct interpretation. Hey! <laughs> that's exactly what I meant. I, mm. I believe that Earth is a blissful place. Mm-hmm. We seldom open our eyes to bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, we're, we're sort of wincing, waiting for the next shoe to fall. Mm-hmm. We have a belief. Uh, we have a belief in pain, mm-hmm. and we don't have a belief in joy. And I think one of the reasons uh, that I like talking to you uh, is that you have sort of cracked open the nut and said, "Oh, here's this wonderful little nugget inside, and it's joy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! I think I spent so much of my of my life before. I love what you said. We have a belief in pain and not a belief in joy. And I just close my eyes and I just like let that kind of like move in my mind's eye for a little while. And I and as you said, what you enjoy talking to me is is because of that ability to open up to joy. And it was something that I had to cultivate. It was something that I actively had to like develop. And at some point, the baseline changed, you know? And it's not to say that I don't experience pain or suffering, that I don't get depressed or anxious, but it's how I relate to it. It's it's different now. My relationship to pain and suffering um, is, has changed. My relationship to depression has changed. My relationship to anxiety has changed. And I think that's what we have agency and power over. It's how we relate to the changing seasons, right? And not every season is going to be a season of harvest. Some seasons are are, are time for for fertilizing and and burning the forest and using the ash as 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 a fertilizer to grow the new version of ourselves. You know. Well, I think the thing that you're talking about is actually a form of detachment, hmm. uh, and that what you're talking about with pain is that you notice pain now but you don't live in pain. That's right. You you are detached and you're observing pain Mm -hmm. uh, and you're observing uh, lower states of consciousness. 
mm-hmm. uh, and saying, in effect, all parts of you are welcome here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And the parts of me that are suffering, you know, I was talking about earlier a practice about like um, connecting to the parts of ourselves that are that are dreadful and in despair and confused and angry. And instead of doing everything we can to push them away or 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 to, to distract ourselves from it, like just kindly sit in front of it, like you're sitting with a friend. That sensation, that emotion, that thought is is visiting you because you've invited, you know? And we've been sending out invitations with every word we said, with every action we took. We've, every time we we say, think, or 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 connect to a feeling as the guide to our lives, we're sending out invitations to for for more of it to come. So now the invitation is being sent out, and that feeling of of anger or dread or despair has arrived at your doorstep. How would you treat a guest in your house? You know, so instead of pushing them away uh, or neglecting or avoiding or distracting yourself from it, just kindly ask, "What do you need?" And you're going to hear from despair that he wants kindness, that he wants patience, that he wants connection, that he wants love. And, and then that density of that, of that, of that, of that feeling will, will become more relaxed and there will be more, more lightness into it. You know, I think anything that's witnessed heals. Anything that is, that is witnessed changes and transforms. Would you agree? Well, I, I think what you're talking about uh, a Jesuit priest uh, said to a friend of mine, mm. we need to learn to enter the madness. Mm. He said, people, uh, people think that they need to, to suppress it, repress it, push it down, mm-hmm. avoid it. Uh, and he said, no, instead we need to invite it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that when we enter the madness, we come out the other side lighter. Mm-hmm. Yet when we fight the madness, we become mired in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think the more we, we demonize our demons, the more we, lo- we lose our capacity to, to, to transform and to heal. Um, can you tell us about, like, what did you do the last time you felt overwhelmed or depressed or anxious? Anything that was like an extreme state that you were... Like, oh, you know, I am in a really challenging place right now. Here is a poem that I I wrote this week uh, that I felt uh, I I was sinking into despair. Mm -hmm. And I found myself saying, I must somehow make friends with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And making friends with it meant inviting expression so it goes the bottle was the battle i couldn't win i told myself alcohol was my friend drink after drink you'd think i would sink of the danger to which i could possibly sink Hmm. blacked out hung over from whiskey or gin i couldn't face the state i was in a child neglected, not protected, mm-hmm. a marriage lost, half the cost, mm-hmm. with sweats and tremors the trouble simmered from dawn until night with nary a fight, 
glass by my side, you'd think I'd have tried to just sober up. But instead in my cups I drank and I drank until at the last the lowest I sank. Finally, half dead, I chose life instead. And now sober, the trouble is over. Clear-headed and sane, I've learned from my pain. One drinks too many, and so don't drink any. So that's what I did the last time I felt despair. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, and that's and that's something that that you um, so beautifully teach everyone about, like power of creativity, right? In moments, in moments of feeling stuck. Well, I think creativity is a constant flow, mm. and it's always there. And it's always available to us. And we sort of drop down the well mm-hmm. and tap into it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Have you written about forgiveness? Do you have a poem about forgiveness? I'm not sure if I have a poem about forgiveness. You know, it's something that I always ask every guest about their journey with forgiveness. Because I think that as as genuine spiritual seekers, when we neglect, um, when we don't speak about forgiveness, when we don't, you know, engage in the practice of forgiveness, we're, we're sort of missing a big part of the path, you know? Well, I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, and um, I... I want to read you another poem uh, that's about acceptance more than mm-hmm. forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it came out of a spirit of quietude. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Quiet Animal. Okay. Oh, quiet animal, mm. sleeping, what dreams lie within your cells? Mm. Ages brought you here through coal and ice. Eye twitch, lip curl, blood dreams again. Mm. Blood is always dreaming, scheming to move us forward or take us back, dreaming the dark places, caves, and the backs of stars. Your ivory bones are the tusks of time, who eats with all our mouths. Mm-hmm. That crescent moon, it's just a bone thrown beyond our reach. The stars at night were someone's baby teeth. <laughs> That's beautiful. The blood remembers what the mind forgets. The soul is a quiet animal, given less to thought than memory, more to dreams than plan. The soul owes more to half-remembered God, to waking life as man. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. I think the line that's that struck me was, the blood remembers what the mind forgets. Is that right? Yes. Wow, that's so deep. Oh my goodness. You know, they have a, there's a whole book about uh, the body keeps the score, you know. 
And that makes, I think that's like orienting us towards that, the fact that like, unless we really move our bodies, unless we create, uh, and we really use this vessel of, of, of that we have as our body. Uh, and we, we really, I mean, for me, moving trauma out of my body came through dance and through breath. Uh-huh. So creatively expressing um, my trauma and my transformation and my healing and my joy through dance was a big part, still is. So I, I can, I love that line. The blood remembers what the mind forgets. That's deep. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, now tell me about like your relationship to forgiveness. Um, when, because I think when we go through, through the sober journey, you know, in my own personal experience, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, and I was so hard on myself until I, I, I started to understand that, um, the power of forgiveness and how, how applying forgiveness to myself and applying forgiveness, you know, offering forgiveness in every area of my life was like the antidote to not making mistakes anymore, not making the same mistakes, you know? To not going to the guilt spiral, the shame spiral, but a deep remorse. And like remorse is what we say in, in Buddhism. Remorse is acceptance, has understanding, has kindness, has compassion, has forgiveness, and has an alliance to uh, the better version of ourselves, the one that isn't making the same mistakes anymore. So I would love to hear a little bit about your relationship to forgiveness and um, any, any, anything in that space. Well, I think forgiveness is a big challenge. Mm. Uh, and I just uh, am going through a forgiveness passage right now. Okay. Uh, I taught a workshop in Santa Fe for 200 people mm. for seven hours on Zoom. Mm. Uh, and um, when it came time to pay me, the man who had hired me said, I want to pay you $4,000 less because you taught on Zoom instead of live. Uh, And um, it was after the fact. uh, Mm. It was difficult. uh, And I found myself calling him Randy the Rat. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, then I thought, that's Mm. not very forgiving. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, realized that he operated from a scarcity principle mm-hmm. uh, and he he believed that if he could just cheat me out of a little bit of money mm-hmm. he would be one up on me mm-hmm. uh, and i found myself saying to myself i've got to let go of this mm-hmm. i i it isn't about the money uh, mm-hmm. it, to me, it was that he hadn't respected my work. That's right. Uh, and I found myself saying, oh, poor Randy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I came to a place of compassion for him, mm-hmm. a, a place where I realized uh, how much he must suffer uh, mm-hmm. in order to be so stingy. Mm-hmm. Then I found myself having a, a little bit of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But it was an uphill climb. That's right. <laughs> and sometimes it is, you know. And I, I often, um, 
bring up the often on pretty much every episode I bring up forgiveness because I think um, reminding everyone who's listening that it is an uphill climb. It is swimming against the stream. You know, we kind of live in a in a society that says hold grudges, you know, seek revenge. And us choosing this path of of, of spiritual liberation, um, kind of letting things go. It's not that we let people off the hook, you know, people take they have to take responsibility for the harm that they've done, but we are no longer invested in punishing them. We're no longer invested in in holding on to that to that energy in our bodies, you know, that anger in our bodies, because we know we're par- poisoning ourselves as we hold on to that anger. Um, so thank you for sharing that story. That's very relatable. Thank well, you. I just found that I needed to believe that the universe would turn around uh, and replenish my resources. Mm-hmm. And I, I often believe it shows up as synchronicity, oh where yes. you, you find yourself uh, acting in a way that's good, uh, and then getting a sort of pat on the celestial back mm-hmm. uh, in the form of synchronicity. Mm-hmm. So um, mm. I, I felt myself saying, oh, the money is not the issue, but I bet the money will be repaid. Mm. The universe has a way of delivering Mm-hmm. Uh, kindness to us in ways that we understand and mm-hmm. sometimes that's cash on the barrel head <laughs> and you know what's another synchronicity julia is that my next question was about synchronicities literally i swear i'm not i can't be lying and looking straight into your face right now um tell me about synchronicities tell me about the role of synchronicities in your life and and how you experience them. And, and often I talk about synchronicities having, it's it's kind of simplistic language and kind of like a, not a necessary thing to, to talk about, but I just, for the sake of explaining synchronicity, um, I, I often say that there is many levels of synchronicity. Some of them are like, you know, these, um, seeing th- these numbers and, and, you know, thinking about a person and getting that call, thinking about that person, getting that email, um, and then there are synchronicities that the level of it is so intense that we get like a little bit even dizzy and disoriented by like, holy shit, life is literally communicating with me right now. You know, I'm part of this grand, beautiful dance. You know, I haven't been forgotten. And one thing I always say to people too, um, I like that line. I haven't been forgotten. I should remember that. I like that I said this out loud. That's beautiful. And one thing I was thinking about it too, my boyfriend shared with me that when we when we experience synchronicity, it's not that it's not only that we are in the right place, at the right time, that the universe has our back, but we are in deep healing. Um, we are experiencing deep healing. So I was like, "Wow, that's beautiful." I'm gonna take that because that's really good. So tell us about your experience with synchronicities. Well, I was assigned to write an article mm. about a movie director. Uh, and I said to myself, I'd rather write about Robert De Niro. Uh, and they said, why? And I said, well, trust me, he will be famous. This was before he was Robert De Niro. Okay. And um, But I 
took the assignment to write about the movie director. Mm-hmm. And I went to New York to interview him. Mm. And we met for lunch mm. uh, to do the interview. Uh, and he came in and he sat down. And I took one look at him. And I heard this voice say, you have met the man you're going to marry. Wait. Which was a little bit disconcerting. I had never planned on getting married. I had always just thought about my brilliant career. Uh Uh, I had not had any girlish dreams. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so um, you've met the man you're going to marry. Uh, And what happened was I called my mother that afternoon and said, Mom, I've met the man I'm going to marry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. And my mother said, does he know that? Oh, Mom. (laughs) But what happened was that I had met the man I was going to marry. Hmm. Uh, and it was it was an experience where I had accepted an assignment I didn't want mm-hmm. to do something I I thought would be boring or difficult, mm-hmm. only to find myself feeling enchanted. Enchanted, wow! So I'm not sure if that's a synchronicity story. That's a huge one. I think that's a high-level synchronicity. If we're putting on the scale, that's like top 10 right there. That's like level 10. Listen, so you you were actually married. Um, yeah. Wow, that's amazing, amazing story. I want to talk to you about grief. Is that okay? That's okay. okay. All parts of you are welcome here. That's right. Um, lately, I have been experiencing... Um, the, this, like when I'm deeply present, I'm, I mean, I see all of life so profoundly beautiful and it's just, I'm in awe of the beauty in this, in the most ordinary mundane sort of things that before I would not even pay attention to when I'm deeply present, everything is so beautiful. It takes my breath away almost. I'm literally like, and simultaneously with that beauty, what kind of what's kind of weaved with that beauty is, is a grief. It's like a deep sort of sadness. And what I've been ser- speaking about it lately was that that sadness is, uh, that, that grief that's you know mixed with that sadness is because life is constantly, utterly and profoundly transient, always moving completely, always, always moving so profoundly fast that when we are present, we actually are are aware of how fast everything is moving and how fast we are changing, how quickly things are transforming. Um, so what I've been thinking about lately is like making friends with that grief, making friends with that sadness that's just kind of weaved with the deep beauty from being present. Does that make sense? I think we open our hearts to beauty. Mm. And when we do, we open our hearts to sorrow Mm. because we recognize how quickly things are changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I 
I think the sorrow comes from our wanting to hold on to the moment. That's right. Uh, and instead, we have to let it go. That's right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read you another poem. Please. If that's a good thing to do, I hope. Yes, it's always, Julia, it's always a good thing to do. Listening to you read poetry, it's like, oh my goodness, I must have done some some something right, honey, to sit up, to be able to have you read poems on the podcast, you know? All right, this poem is called Remembering. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with just what you were talking about. Mm. I was not there when your mother bore you. Surely you came into this world hungering and wet. We all do that. Surely you came like the rest of us, from that dark sea of souls, that sighing that brings us forth and calls us back. Mm -hmm. We all share that. If this is true, and it is even for you, why are you a broken glass smashed against the floor? Mm -hmm. Why not the sea's grass on the ocean floor? Why not a smooth stone, mm -hmm. a willow in the wind? Why do you break, not bend, and even broken, why not mend? You do know how. Walk with me to the edge of the city. Mm. Take off your shoes and feel the earth. It is softer than a woman. It is safer than your father. It is water. It is air. It is where you are returning with this yearning you can't name. Mm. Cast off your shame. It's an old coat. Remember who you are. You are a star, a mountain, that fountain in the sun. Your heart is the velvet cave where birds sing. Are you remembering? Hmm. Hmm. Wow. The yarning we can't name. Is that right? Did I get the, right, the line right? That's right. The yearning we can't name. That's it. The yearning we can name is the experience of deep when we are deeply present. That's that's what I'm kind of like understanding from the poem and how you share that poem in relation to what I shared earlier. Wow, that's beautiful. The yearning we can't name. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Now do you want to hear a lighthearted poem? Yes, please, I do. Angels carry on their wings. The weight of many unseen things. Mm -hmm. Without a prayer, they're simply there. They have the grace to know their place. Never intrusive, their help is conclusive. We ask to be guided, and it is decided just who will help and when. Higher forces are our friend. Mm -hmm. Filled with compassion, they give us a ration of wisdom and of joy. They help us to employ our native wit and sense without a recompense. Ever sly or simply shy, they hide from sight, lend us their might. In short, 
they ease our way. And so, say thanks today. Beautiful. So beautiful. Oh my goodness. Lighthearted topic. Let's talk about feeling sexy. Can we? What is the thing that, what is like the top thing that makes you feel sexy? Uh, and we can redefine sexy, of I, course. No, I think it's humor. Mm, mm. My answer is humor. When mm. I met the man I was going to marry, he was humorous. Uh, and I connected to the humor. Mm -hmm. And connecting to the humor, I wanted to go straight upstairs to bed. <laughs> uh, Which I did. <laughs> on a daily basis, what helps you to connect to that? Like laughing, uh, telling jokes, or calling a friend and, and, and laughing together? Well, I have, my friendships are very carefully chosen, uh, and some of them are old. My friend Gerard has been my friend for 54 years. Oh my gosh. Mm. But my friend Nick, uh, who's celebrating a birthday today uh, mm -hmm. has been my friend for four years mm -hmm. uh, and what they have in common mm -hmm. uh, is wit mm -hmm. you guys can get sassy together and cackle like good old witches <laughs> like good old witches that's a good thing to do <laughs> um we are involving the show and asking you, the, the expert that we, that we talked to on the show, what does it mean to be spiritually sassy? What does it mean to you to be spiritually sassy, Julia? It, it means to have a sense of rightness and right action mm -hmm. and fitness and fit action. Uh, and... Um, to be spiritually sassy uh, is something that I do on the page. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I write out uh, rhymed couplets. Mm -hmm. This little poem goes out to my friend who wants to talk and we have to end. That one was for you. Oh, no, we don't have to end. We, we can't keep going. <laughs> um, I wanna. I just wanna be conscious of your time, my love. Well, we've probably talked about an hour, and we've talked about some things that matter to me. That's right. Uh, and um, so grateful. I, I think you're talking about dance is important. Mm -hmm. And I picture you. Barefoot dancing. Mm -hmm. Dance barefooted? Yes, I do. That's what I saw. I dance barefooted or I dance with these knee-high boots. Uh -huh. White, fake leather, knee-high boots, and they're like seven-inch heels. I'm looking at them right now. So it's either barefoot or this like extra style. I have okay. no sort of middle ground, no like tennis <laughs> shoes. It's either this or that. <laughs> um, listen, 
Is there a, a, a little short little prayer that you can offer the community before we go? Anything that's coming through for you right now that you can leave us with? Dear God, guide me to a sense of glee. Help me to know your happiness with me. Help me to know that I am fine. And help me to remember you're a friend of mine. Amen. Amen. Help me to remember you're a friend of mine. God, you're so good with words. What a what a what a legend. What a genius. Thank you so much for everything. Thank God for you, Julia. Truly, thank you so much. You're where can we welcome. find you? Where can we find you? Where like where, what's what's up now? Well, I have a website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it has my art on there. You can read my poetry. You can read my plays. Mm-hmm. You can see a play called uh, Love in the DMZ, which we did on Zoom, mm-hmm. which stars my friend Nick, if you're curious about Nick. Uh, and um, the, um, the idea behind the website was to put art up for fun and for free. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've done. Beautiful. Is the music in there too? Uh, there's a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two musicals, Avalon and The Medium at Large, which is a ghost story, which is really fun. Oh, my God. Um, and then there's 43 Flower Songs, mm-hmm. which are delightful. Mm-hmm. So uh, the music is on there too. Not the music that I usually sing. No. Um, But I'd like to close with singing one. Okay, good. I was going to say, you can't leave us talking about the singing and the music and saying, you you can go to the website, but you won't find the one that I usually sing. So thank you. Thank you so much. Time is like a river. We wash our bones like stones. Time is like a river, we wash our bones like stones. Time is not the answer, time is not the quest. Time is where we journey, while we learn the rest. Washing in the river of the self. Mm. There you have it. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Well, that was so beautiful. What an honor. Thank you so much, Julia, for your time, for speaking to us, for educating us, for inspiring us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. You're very, very welcome. Lots of love to everyone. I'm Sadi Simone, and you've been listening to The Spiritually Sassy Show. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next Sunday for another Spiritually Sassy Conversation. Thank you so much for listening, and I love you. <laughs>